The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the third meeting of our Eightfold Path program. So we're at a transition this month. You may recall that the path is divided into three groups. The first two factors of right view and right intention are establishing our orientation around looking at the true causes of suffering and happiness and then setting our intention about how we're going to be in the world and then that's, those are the two preliminary wisdom factors and then we move into the ethical training factors so when we have this so when we have our view and we have our intention then we start to see so what happens with that intention you know when the rubber meets the road and we start talking and acting and in our livelihood so we'll begin to look at the Buddha's teachings on right or wise speech right action and right livelihood over the next three months which are kind of where our intentions begin to play out and we can really start to see how uh, how our actions in the world and how our intentions either incline toward more suffering or less suffering and I like to think that some of this middle period is an investigation that then inspires us and helps us realize that well we need to really look more deeply at calming down, calming our bodies, clarifying our minds clarifying our deep-seated beliefs and, and so forth so that we can continue working on this path as a spiral you know, so the last three factors are the mental development the meditation factors of effort, mindfulness and concentration and those are needed really to bring all of these factors to the level of right or wise speech, action and more consistently and so then they also give rise to deeper wisdom and then it spirals back to wisdom and with more wisdom your speech and action and livelihood becomes wiser and your meditation deepens and the meditative joy and peace of less suffering increases and hopefully this is you know how we choose to live our lives so um, today we're taking up the topic of right speech uh, some of you may be new. I'm Chris Clifford. This is Liz Powell and Bruni Davila, who are we are the teaching team for this year's program. So welcome, and um, <coughs> let's begin with a sit, as we usually do, about 15 minutes. I'll offer a little guiding relevant to the theme today. So. Now, speech is an action of body and mind coming together. And it reflects a lot about our internal state, our in degree of internal tensions. So let's take a posture that somehow embodies our intention to be present, to express goodwill and Kindness, compassion, letting go. Let's 
And just letting the natural breath come to your attention. As you feel supported by your seat, you can deeply relax. Just with each out-breath, relax more deeply down, letting the energy come out of your head and tension drain out of your shoulders. See if you can relax any tension you might feel in your chest, your belly. The whole passageway of the breath is involved in speaking, relaxing your throat. Relaxing your jaw. Letting the tongue come to rest in the bottom of the mouth. Just as you breathe naturally, being aware of any tension in these areas involved in speaking. Maybe you have a sense of where speaking comes from in your body. Does it feel different if you think of speaking from your upper chest? Speaking from your lower belly? ability to settle into a place of silence, relative quiet. And imagining speaking from this place, allowing yourself to return to this place after speaking.
If you're experiencing inner speech, inner thought, in the form of speech, notice the tone of that. Notice where that's coming from, if you can. Let there be a space between your inner thoughts For the next five minutes, we'll just let any sense of inner stillness and settledness deepen. plan for the day is that Bruni will start out with some general observations on speaking and listening as a practice and we'll do a little exercise and then in the second half of the day Liz and I will talk about the Buddha's teachings on the qualities of right speech. So, The second half Liz and I will talk about the Buddha's list of the attributes of right speech and we'll have a discussion about that. Speaking, speaking. Before I start speaking, I want to um, just give you kind of the framework, the context uh, from which I'm going to speak. It's going to be mainly on um, how it is that we speak in daily life and is mostly based on the teachings of Andrea Fela, who is one of the primary teachers here. And um, she does, um, a lot of her teachings are really connected to how to practice the Dharma in daily life. So I just want to mention that. And some of the things that I will say too will be based on some of the teachings of of Gil uh, Franzel, the other teacher here. And... um, some of my experience. So, um, so we wake up, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, whenever you wake up. 
and <laughs> and you may start speaking even before going out of bed if um, you know if you're um, living with other people or if you like me sometimes say I have to get out of bed and start speaking in loud voice or in your mind and um, there's sometimes, you know, we, the, the, the activity of speaking may come out of uh, different habits that we develop through our life. Um, we are, you know, we all are exposed to um, our own background, our own culture. We are, we learned to speak in certain way. Um, to maybe sometime different people. Like for example, where I come from, um, and in the Spanish language that is my native language, um, we speak in a different way to elders than to any other people or to people at work. We use different pronouns, tu, usted, to show more respect. And um, and then, you know, we also have um, everything that we take in from society and, um, and things that we learn from the people that we hang out with. So all that is involved in all those layers come into play when we start speaking. So mainly, let's, let's look at explore, explore this activity of speaking in your life. So all these different uh, habits based on all that I just said. And then um, there is then the interaction when we speak to other people. Sometimes we know what we're going to say and sometimes we're speaking and out of the blue, where that came from. I, did, I was not thinking about that, where, where that came from. And... Um, Sometimes we have time to think about what we are speaking about. Other times we don't have that space or that pause when we're speaking to other people in our daily lives. So, um, so it is speaking is almost like, I like what, how Andrea uh, frames it, it's almost like an advanced practice. It's, it's almost, you know, it's like an advanced practice because there's so many things that come into play when we're speaking. Um, in terms of mindfulness, we may be mindful that we're speaking, but other times we may not be mindful. You know, we lose, we lose the awareness of Oh, I know that we're speaking. When there are other things coming up, you know. Um, and one of the things that may come up is what are our intentions? We talk about intention, uh, intentions in last month. And um, we may be clear about our intentions. And sometimes we may even think that we are indeed clear. And maybe when we speak, we may realize, well, that didn't go with what I was thinking my intention was. So some examples. 
um, at work. If we're uh, talking to other coworkers, we may have an intention of goodwill and collaboration. And uh, sometimes if there are other people that maybe we don't know, um, or that we're having some kind of difference, um, we may have other motivations. Oh, I want to show that I know, you know, or, or let me explain let me explain this to see if we can get what I, w what, what I want to accomplish. Not to say that is bad or wrong, but just to see what, how, how it is that things come out when, when we start talking to other people and, and when there's something at stake. So motivations, intentions, um, there are some times that we feel uncomfortable with silence. And uh, there may be a moment in which, you know, we say something maybe because we feel uncomfortable with the silence and we want to fill the space. Or other times, truly, because we want to connect and we want to say something to, with this person because we are holding the, the good intention, the wise intention um, of... Um, goodwill and loving kindness and, you know, the desire to, to connect. So there are many different things, you know, many different things when we start exploring that terrain of, of speaking in daily life. Um, let me see what else. Um, oh, there is something I really, really like, um, the way in which Andrea explains this, and um, is the difference of mindfulness when we are um, meditating, when we're in the cushion, when we're doing walking meditation, where we're on retreat, versus the type of mindfulness awareness that we have when we are living our life in other ways. So within mindfulness, um, usually we say, when we talk about mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of um, body, mindfulness of emotions, and mindfulness of thoughts, when we talk about emotions and thoughts, usually you may hear, don't, don't get involved. See, notice what is going on with your emotions and notice what is going on with, uh, with your thinking, recognize it um, without getting involved, you know, just to see, to see what, what, it, what arises. And so with speaking, it's a little bit different because, as Andrea says, um, there's, there's a level of involvement in the content when we speak, there's, there's something, there may be some, something that we're talking about that we agree upon, or there's, there's something that we, there's an engagement. Huh? Well, in the cushion, you know, we are like just really looking and, you know, trying to recognize, trying to see what it is, you know, getting to study and, and investigate our emotions and thinking. So 
we say don't get involved in the content. So in daily life, um, usually um, there's, there's an amount of mindfulness that goes into, into being aware of what is happening as it is happening. And then there is another part of mindfulness that is maybe um, useful to place it in how it is that we're relating to what is happening, to, to what is happening. So when speaking, there's also that too. Sometimes we may be aware of how we are relating to what we're speaking, and maybe sometimes we're so involved in the content or into making our point, you know, into this is how it should be, you know. Like maybe we may be sharing perspectives, but are we, are we able to also be open? You know, we talked about the wise view um, and perspectives. And are we um, able to to have like a broad sense of uh, connecting and interacting uh, when, ho- when we're speaking with another person so that we can listen to their perspectives and, and not clinging to one view. Um, so, um, let's see what else. So then within that exploration that I've been uh, talking about just to see how it is when there's mindfulness and when there is no mindfulness, how it is that we can apply our practice and, and how it is that um, we can develop wholesome qualities to speak wisely, to practice the Eightfold Path. And we can do that. We we're able to do that through the Eightfold Path. is just a great thing. Um, so, I want to share these steps that Andrea uh, has talked about on, on how to practice, uh, so that when we go in real time, that you know we can we can look back and say, oh yeah. There, there, was, there, there was wholesome speaking there. So there are four steps that um, she mentions. One is to know the guidelines, to know the guidelines of wise speech. And Liz and Chris are going to talk about that. So it's, you know, it's like everything we learn in life. You know, there are some things that we just go and we just learn depending how you learn. Maybe you go and learn by doing. And, but, but sometimes maybe we step back and say, oh, how? Or listen to other people. Oh, how is there anything else here that needs to be refined? Um, or if we, you know, we're trying to learn a sport or, or some other skill. There are different steps, baby steps that we take. So we know the guidelines, we learn the guidelines, and we learn them in a way that supports us, you know, in a way that helps us, that assists us in developing also 
wholesome qualities, wholesome qualities of the heart and wholesome qualities in our interacting with others. Um, you know, not as a way to maybe being hard on ourselves and say, oh, I didn't do this. But maybe at the end of the day, you can look back and say, oh, how, how was my speech today? Oh, look at this. I, there, was, there was something here that I could improve. So as a, as a way of curiosity and learning, what did I learn of speaking this way versus this way? So that's step one learning the, the guidelines of wise speech. Then we can practice solo. Then we can practice on our own. Then uh, we can practice with a friend. And then we can go out and just let it happen as it happens naturally. So practicing solo. Examples of that could be Email, texting, writing, anything regarding writing. So you are writing your email. You can review your email before sending it. You can check, is my intention, is the intention there? Is there a wise intention? Or maybe this word may, could be a little bit improved you know, or, oh, I don't, I don't know, that sounds more of a complaint than, you know, something that I want to say in another way for, you know, co connection. Um, there's also writing, you know, when I, I love receiving letters this, this time, uh, you know, or, or cards, or, but because now they're, so it's so rare that I get something in the mail, you know. Uh, but what a beautiful thing. And so as writing, you know, as you write, you know, it's like, okay, what, what is there? What is, what, what, what it is, I'm, I'm speaking, and I'm speaking what I want to say, how I'm saying it, even though this person will not see me when, I, when he's reading this letter. So... Um, what else? In practicing solo. Um, well, I think that's, that's enough. Um, there's also in once, oh, the, the, the speed, you know, how, how it is, you know, taking our time to write, to write, to write that email, to write that letter. And then it comes also something that we learn through our practice, the, the four foundations of mindfulness. We can see how it is that the breath feels in the body when we're writing, when we're speaking to others. How does your body feel? What posture are you in when you're speaking to someone? It's really interesting. I've seen myself going from an open body posture to just crossing my arms and start talking to someone with, you know, just like this. And like, what happened there? What, what was going on there, you know? Um, mindfulness of feelings. Is there anything 
that comes up for you as you're speaking or as you know as you're even writing writing you know practicing solo and a mindfulness of thoughts if there's anything else that comes up as you're writing um, so the other step that Andrea mentioned um, in her teachings um, is practicing with a friend so and we're doing that here and we're, you may be doing that with an Eightfold Path body if, you, if you're sharing what you're learning with someone else here besides your mentor. But you can have that intention of, okay, let's, let's go and have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, and practice together about speaking. Wise, wise speech. Um, and... Then there is um, speaking in real time, speaking in real time without making an appointment to speak or anything like that, just at the moment. How is it? And again, using the four foundations of mindfulness, how it is that... um, you show up when you're speaking to someone. What is going on for you at that moment? In that moment, do you notice, do you notice your state of mind, how your body is, how, how, you, how you feel as you are speaking? Um, let me see. Okay. Um, and taking breaks taking a pause just like I did right now so I just noticed you know as I was speaking I was aware of what I was saying and as I took that pause I started feeling more the sensations in the body. So there is, you know, there is something to say about taking a pause and come back to the body. If by any chance you forgot about it while you were speaking, um, those pauses let you know maybe if you're in, a, in the track that, that you want to be, if you are expressing your intentions. Um, and there may be moments in which there is no time for a pause, but maybe you can be creative and create a pause. If you see that maybe the intention is not there or, you know, something is happening and you you have a strong intention of non-harming, you can say, I'm taking a break. I'm going to go for a walk and then I can speak to you later. Or if it is something that is, if it is true, you know, uh, let let me just... Let me take a break. Let me go to the restroom, go for a sip of water. I, I you know, things like that. Um, so those are the four 
or uh, four steps that Andrea talks about and I wanted to share with you in daily life. And, and there's something else that I want to mention because of, of course, we live in a world, you know, with other people. And, and then there is what we take in when we listen and when, what we take in when we read. And it may be a little bit different from speaking, but it may be a way in which we take information and then we speak about it or something, or do something with it, right? So when we listen and, and you know, when we're speaking and we're listening also to what others say, how do we select, how do we choose what we listen to? And what we do about it, how do, how do we take it in? So it's another way to, um, in some ways, cultivating conditions to see how we're going to use that information to then practice wise speech. If we're speaking with someone else and you're listening to that person and then it's your turn, how are you listening to that person? You know, are you there listening with your body, with your ears, with, with your mind? Are you fully present for that person? So, um, now, um, let's see if there's... Yes, yeah, so... In listening, just know that, you know, it's a little bit different, right, when we're shifting from speaking to listening to, there's, there's a different kind of focus there. There's, you're looking at, you're focusing in a different way, and you're listening not only to words, but other things that are going on, gestures, uh, tone, um, words. So now we're going to practice. Let's practice. And um, let's see here. We can. Um, what about if we choose someone else? Let's do pairs. We can do pairs if you find someone else to practice with. Okay. Wow, that was easy. Everyone has, everyone has one person to practice with, Betsy. If, if, okay, so why you don't two, yeah, get together? Okay, so let me give you the instructions first. So I'm... <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read the instructions. 
So when, you're, when you start talking, when talking, know that you're talking. And how do you know that? You know, I, explore that. How do you know that for, on your own? How, how it is that you know that you're talking? Maybe simple, but sometimes, it's, sometimes we don't notice. What do you, do you notice ease? Do you notice agitation? Notice the impact of the content on your experience. Notice the impact of the content on your experience. In terms of listening, in terms of listening, how, how does the content, what you're talking about, how does it impact how you listen? And are you present for the other person when this person is speaking? Allow pace of conversation to slow down. And maybe pause before you speak. And lastly, what is your motivation? What is the motivation for speaking? Okay? So you will have... Let's see. You choose the topic. <laughs> you choose the content. So noticing the impact, noticing the impact of your experience means um, within the four foundations of mindfulness, how, how does it impact when you listen to what this person is saying to you, what are you feeling? How does your body feel? Um, what is your response? What is your response to it? So each person will have five minutes, Okay. Five minutes, and I will ring the bell when the, the turn of for the other person um, comes. So one person speaks, the other one listens, and you guys can decide how to do the dance. Okay. So um, I would <coughs> I would like to repeat what I heard for your instructions. Sure. Sure. Can you? I can't really. I can hold it. Um, so. Oh, hold on a minute. I can hold it. Oh, yeah. yeah thank you. Thanks. So, um, know when you are talking. Um, how, do, how do you know? Is this on? Is it on? Yes, it is on. How do you know when you're talking? Um, how are you talking? Are you at ease? Um, I guess tense or but like what state mm -hmm. are you in um, what impact is the content of what's um, what I'm saying on me 
what is the impact of what you're listening or that or what you're what you're saying if you're speaking okay um how does the contact content impact my listening um uh, possibly allow the pace to slow down um, possibly pause before you speak mm -hmm. and what's your motivations for speaking did i get beautiful that? yeah and you know what there's just go with what you remember because there are different things for different people that you know apply so just take it take it as you're in real time now and see what what how it is for you okay yeah yeah we can yes just a question about whether um if i chose for instance music uh, is I, am I going to go with the content, or were you implying that I was to do mindfulness out loud and express um, the ease or tension concurrent with the content itself? Hmm. You know what? You can choose either way. You can choose either way. Does yeah? If I you, have a lot of ease right now. Yeah. So great. That's that's great. Okay, so let's start, and I will ring the bell when is the turn of the other person. We we want to hear, you know, there's. Yes. 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 Yeah. So how was it? Any, anything you want to share? And for the benefit of people that listen to, to the recordings, please use the microphone so that they also benefit. So um, I felt it was short, <laughs> but aside for this, um, the instructions were interesting because as I was listening, I was really aware of um, my body. And I really felt that my body was mirroring all the negative emotions that I was hearing. Mm. Like it was really impacting me. I, I really, I, I just felt, I felt empathy. I felt in the shoes and kind of being saddened, um, which, you know, I know that I'm able to feel in general, but to really observe it in my body with the instruction um, was quite powerful. Great. Thank you. Um, I felt this exercise uh, was filled with freedom. It's really very, very delightful. Um, all the... or all the sort of rules of social engagement available for interpretation or whatever you want to do. Um, it was very wonderful to have a partner who listened very carefully. That increased the freedom. Um, I was aware that uh, sometimes I needed to look away to return to myself, to collect my thoughts see where I was and, um, and um, 
that was so comfortable, was e- it was okay for me to do that. And also I had this sense of um, being in a very rich place. I said, like, a, uh, like being in the woods where 30 paths cross and I could go down uh, anyone. And I, I, um, uh, I could understand having a practice like this. Um, where uh, there's an inner exploration um, that is at least as much as what's going out is the exploration inside. So I want to thank you for that, and I like the whole shape of the exercise. Thank you. Hello. I'm suddenly really aware of what I'm saying. <laughs> everybody looking at me. Um, I was just thinking about how I felt very comfortable opening up with my partner. Um, and often speaking about my feelings, I think, is what's hard for me sometimes. But in this case, I felt more you know, comfortable. Um, and then on the flip side, my partner said something that got me thinking about how when we're speaking not with people who are into meditation, um, like in work and things like that, it can be harder to find common ground um, if you know that the person that you're speaking with might not have the same values as probably a lot of us do here, you know. So just how the environment that you're in can affect how you're speaking and how comfortable you are. Yeah, I found this in an exercise really interesting and there are lots of uh, places to to look at. Uh, um, for me, when speaking, uh, I found it was quite challenging to not get lost in the content of what I th- was talking about and so trying to remember uh, what, what you mentioned, like notice your body, how it's and uh, I found I had to withdraw a little bit, uh, keeping the eye contact while I was thinking and thinking about these things. I naturally kind of looked away a little bit. Maybe that um, can also break the, the social uh, dynamic. And then when listening, I noticed uh, personally at the beginning it was... Uh, I had a tendency to want to give social cues that I'm listening, like, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, yeah, oh, great, yeah. So stopping that was like, oh, oh, why are you going to say that? I was like, I felt a bit weird, but over time it was, it was okay. Um, yeah, no, that's all. Thank you. Um, I know when speaking mindfully, you tend to talk a lot slower and take pauses, which can be difficult when you're talking at work, especially in the fast pace or people who aren't used to people that speak like this. And so it's kind of challenging. I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's just sometimes they talk over you or they don't let you take your time or things like that. Okay, that's okay. I'll I'll, I'll t- um, ask a question, I guess. Um, 
What about being uh, self-conscious while you're speaking instead of observing the other person for their social cues and their response to what you're speaking or saying? I mean, in a sense, it's basically kind of being self-absorbed while you're talking. And I don't think I'm the only one. Two of us. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think uh, it goes to the question of motivation for speaking, maybe. You know, and here it's kind of artificial, and if you, you know, I often feel like, what is my motivation for speaking? And I have a great love of silence and, you know, getting that very clear in my mind before I speak sometimes, and then other times not at all. So it's a thing to be mindful of, you know, and to try to just see this is what's happening. And... Uh, Look into it. What about uh, the fact that you feel self-conscious when you're speaking? So you're more aware of your you're aware of yourself. You know, I mean, there's self-awareness where you're really looking more carefully at what's going on, and then there's a kind of judging yourself and worrying about yourself that shades into what we call self-consciousness. So just noticing that and noticing, just being interested in what's that about. It's a deep exploration of how we present ourselves to other people and what we, you know, what makes us anxious and so forth. It's a great window on it. Thank you. We probably need to move on here. It's obviously a very rich time for everyone. So I'd just like to encourage you, maybe you'll meet, you know, during the month and set up a regular practice of yours or at least one more, more satisfying amount of time practice. Can you hear all right? Thank you. Um, if for any reason anybody can't hear, I appreciate, because my voice can drop really low too. So before, I'm, my topic today is truthfulness in speaking and timeliness in speaking, which is two very important facets of right speech. But what I'd like to invite you to do, because you were just through a very rich, uh, intense experience, is just take a moment, um, maybe let your eyes close and breathe in and out and just notice what's still there. Noticing how your body is after that experience. Maybe even making a mental note or two if there's something you want to come back to during the break or later during, during question and answer time. But just noticing the impact of that on your body.
And then as I begin to speak, you know, you may notice as I um, talk about these things, the impact of what I say on how your body is, how your breath is, what your thoughts do with it. Um, so, you know, this is really noticing how speech starts internally and we spend a lot of time talking to ourselves. But I wanted to start on this topic of truthfulness um, that Bhikkhu Bodhi points out that one who is devoted to the truth is reliable and worthy of other people's confidence. So this is one of the big ways we build trust between people is with the truth. And I wanted to read out loud what he said because I think it's so timely. Lying is disruptive to social cohesion. People can live together in society only in an atmosphere of mutual trust where they have reason to believe that others will speak the truth. By destroying the grounds for trust and inducing mass suspicion, widespread lying becomes the harbinger signaling the fall from social solidarity to chaos. So human history really shows us how speech and truthfulness in speech or the deception of individuals or groups of people has contributed to divisiveness between people, um, war, and the loss of countless lives. And maybe you can feel, I've been feeling stress lately in you know, the world, in the country, in my neighborhood, in my body. <laughs> so we have this opportunity to see how wrong speech, speech that's not truthful, that is deceptive or is ill-timed, maybe harming us right now internally or harming our society, our human society. Um, right speech, speaking truthfully and at the right time, is actually what, what came to me as I was writing this is, it is such the golden opportunity to heal the divisions between people on an individual basis one-to-one -one, between ourselves and each other person we encounter um, by being scrupulous and kind in listening to others as you just did and in talking to others. Um, hearing about people's lives and challenges and sharing your own. Um, by practicing this truthful and timely speech, you know, this is the way to bring it into society is bring it here and extend it out to others. Um, so when we feel we know we can trust ourselves to be completely truthful and timely and others see this, they can relax and trust us. Um, so I want to just have you think of an example. Have you ever had a relationship where once one of you owned up to something that you might not share with other people or that might be a a painful truth or a difficult truth, how then the other person responded in kind or you got a lot closer after that, sometimes that can be the result. You know, by you being real, you can help. Yeah. Have you ever been in a relationship where you spoke something that you didn't normally share with other people or it was maybe difficult to share 
and notice that the other person then responds in kind or that there's now a deeper level of intimacy and trust between you and the other person that by our being real we help other people be real too so this is the why of right speech why why be truthful why be timely and it sounds like a crazy question but initially when we practice this the first thing we need to do is be aware of the times when we're not completely honest or truthful with ourselves or with other people. And this gets down to when we want things to be different than they actually are. So that's the, you know, you can really notice this with mindfulness of emotions. Do your emotions sometimes indicate you want things to be different than they are? Or your thoughts. Um, And I was really appreciating the connection with right intention that we studied last month. So feelings of greed, or or the intention towards greed, the wrong intention towards greed, the wrong intention towards uh, ill will, and the wrong intention towards harming or cruelty really are the roots of when we kind of go off kilter with our speech. So for example, aversive emotions, we could call them ill will. Fear, anxiety, and uh, anger and resentment affect our speech, affect our truthfulness with speech. So, for example, you can probably come up in your own mind with examples of how fear leads to people being less than truthful when they want to avoid the negative consequences of some action. So with kids, you know, maybe they're standing next to something that's broken and insisting that they didn't break it. Um, With teens, maybe they were late, you know, they came home after their curfew and they say, you know, it was my friend's fault. Um, With adults, maybe they don't show up for work one day and they blame it on an emergency that didn't really happen, you know, minor emergency. Um, So these excuses uh, that people make when we don't want the consequences, sometimes it's even unconscious. Like, um, I, (laughs) I was cooking recently and cut one of my fingers. And a person commented to me, well, that's why, you you know, you need to hold the vegetables with your knuckles under and then you slice like this. And my immediate response was, well, I always do that. Really? Well, if it was always true, I wouldn't have just cut my finger. So I was like, oh, wait a minute, that wasn't entirely true. And it was because I didn't want to have done something wrong. So um, we can see how the unskillful intention of either ill will or, or even uh, greed, meaning I, I want to you know, have somebody's approval or I want to avoid disapproval, um, can lead to slightly dishonest speech. Um, anxiety, it is spi- speaking of internal speech, anxiety can lead us to worry or catastrophize about things that haven't happened yet. And when we're worrying and we're mentally obsessing over something, are we really being truthful with ourselves? Um, You know, at times like that, we can see how the unskillful intention of lack of compassion or, or, you know, not being entirely compassionate is affecting how our internal speech goes. Um, Anger or stress can lead to a kind of externalization of this. So if we're angry and we start venting that, Sometimes it's really not quite true. It's kind of exaggerated. Like maybe you've heard someone say, ah, the whole thing is ruined now. You know, I heard somebody recently 
say that they had been accused of ruining someone's wedding by saying something. So one thing that was said ruined an entire day? That's interesting. So um, I'm going to ask that you hold your questions. Can you hear me okay? Okay. Um, so this is one of those processes of checking in because I think what I'm saying, you know, you can probably think of a lot of examples, pro and con. Um, but, you know, this angry venting may be a time when we can observe the unskillful intention of ill will popping out. Um, it could be that uh, there are emotions of uh, greed that lead us to exaggerate or distort the facts, like, you know, we want to put our best foot forward. Maybe we want to own up to only the positive parts of something, and we don't want to shine a light on the things that didn't go so well, you know, if we're presenting something at work. Or um, maybe we want to kind of have people like us or admire us, and so our speech is, the truthfulness of our speech could be colored by that. So we can ask ourselves, am I scrupulously honest with myself internally and with others externally? Am I fully aligned with reality here? Or, and, and by the way, untruthfulness in speech can also show up in silence when something needs to be spoken or in body language that leads somebody to believe that we're going along with something, that we're not. You know, this is a very deep practice, actually. So, hopefully, you're seeing things, you know, in your own mind that are bubbling up as you hear these things. Um, of maybe times that you weren't completely honest. And, you know, I or you've hidden how things really are with you. We do this with social language all the time. And I'm wondering whether it's really compassionate and really kind to tell the white lie or to hide what's going on for you. I mean, couldn't we actually have more compassion for one another if once in a while we said to someone, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry, I really, you know, care about you, but I really don't feel like going to that with you this time. Or I, you know, I'm in, I'm really preoccupied by something right now. I'm not, I, I admit, I'm not quite listening carefully to you. Um, or I'm, I'm just tired. There's a kind of emotional intelligence game that I ran across at one point where um, it was suggesting that adults could be honest with children at times by saying, honey, I love you, but I, can't, I just can't smile right now. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. And maybe we could be honest enough to say, I care about you, but I just don't have the energy to interact right now. I don't know about you, but that happens to me at the end of the day. Sometimes at the end of the day, I cannot really completely hear or listen carefully enough because I'm tired. So if I just say that, it's a lot better than someone going, are you listening? Wait a minute, you didn't hear a single thing I said. Um, so after we start to look more deeply into ways that slight you know, dishonesty or untruthfulness can show up in our speech, um, we can start to practice the level of right intention and right speech where we're, the first level is we're not being we're not uh, practicing greed, we're practicing non-greed, non-ill will, non-cruelty. And we do that by not being untruthful or dishonest. Um, so Bhikkhu Bodhi quotes the Buddha as having told his disciples to strict, 
strictly stick to this moral discipline, seeing danger in the slightest fault. Um, So we can begin to see the danger if we step just a little bit away from truthfulness. Um, You know, if we tell our friend that we weren't, you know, sorry, I couldn't go to that because I had something else, instead of saying, I'm just too tired to go this time, then, you know, they say, oh, how did that thing go that you had to go to? And then you're like, oh, that, that thing, oh, the thing. You know, so these things take a toll inter- internally. And maybe with practice we can become better able to express ourselves tactfully and kindly no matter what the internal or external weather is. Um, you know, practicing right intention by being careful and tactful about how we speak, maybe not using speech as a weapon or revenge or even um, typecasting people in our speech. Um, we can, you know, the way the, uh, this is depicted in one of the suttas, Majjhima Nikaya 41, the Buddha is depicted as eliminating, illuminating the truth, betw- the, dif- <laughs> the difference between truth and speculation. When questioned as a witness thus, so good man, tell what you know. Knowing, he says, I know. Not knowing, he says, I do not know. Not seeing, he says, I do not see. Or seeing, he says, I see. He does not in full awareness speak falsehood for his own ends or another ends or for some trifling worldly end. So this means we don't speak with certainty about things that are not in our direct experience or if we're speculating. And, you know, this is really humbling. If you start to look at how much you know through what you've read or heard or you're speculating or guessing, and it's really refreshing to hear someone be more clear about that, saying, you know, I read this article that so-and-so wrote about this, or I heard on the radio this person talking about this. Or, um, you know, I'm guessing. What I'm about to say is just my best guess. Instead of saying, you know, sounding so certain of ourselves. And I think we can find a lot of examples right now where we ourselves... I, I was at a dinner party last night and people were in rabid agreement about things and expressing with utter certainty things about entire groups of people that it was like, wow, really? Every single person that voted that way is this? You know, I was like, well, you know, maybe there were some different things that happened. Um, so we can uh, show respect for the truth, you know. Let go of our need to be right and show respect for truthfulness. So timeliness is another really interesting part of truthfulness. There is definitely, and probably you've experienced it, a right and a wrong time to say something. Um, If you blurt out a truth when someone else is in the height of an emotion, um, it can pull them down further, create more suffering, or at the very least damage your relationship. So this idea of being brutal with the truth is not necessarily so wise. Maybe sometimes we could afford to let ourselves settle and calm down a little inside until we can speak something that other people can hear at a time that they're ready to listen to us um, and not be harsh or not be so 
hard-edged about it. Um, this, I think this right timing of speech, you know, is, it's all over our lives. So I, when people get anxious when somebody's had someone die in their life, I've, maybe you've had this happen or you've seen it happen where someone really wants to reassure them and they say, you know, oh, you know, they're in a better place or, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get through this. But when somebody is in the throes of the initial pain of grief, that may not be the right time to say that. That may hurt more. Or when a child is having a meltdown, that is not the time that they're going to learn the moral lesson you're ready to impart, you know? When a teen is really pushing back, they are not going to be able to hear you when they're in this, you know, kind of emotional move. Um, so compassion may be better served by being, by really being sensitive to the timing of what we say with someone else, you know, so that they don't feel, and this is true of groups of people too, so that people don't feel like they need to defend themselves or um, they don't feel publicly shamed as though they're being accused of, you know, ill intent. So timing is really important. And, you know, finally, the how. How do we do this? And you had a taste of it just now when you were speaking, you know, really allowing yourself to listen to the other person fully and then speaking while being in touch with your body, being in touch with your motivation. So to learn to, differ to differentiate honest and timely speech from reactive or reflexive kinds of things we want to say. It's, great, it's a great training to reflect on why you want to speak at all before you open your mouth. Take a mindful moment to notice whether what you're about to say is completely true or what you're about to write is true. Something you know for a fact for yourself through direct experience. And this can strengthen mindfulness of mind and also mindfulness of emotion. And um, another useful exercise, uh, noticing your own reactivity, is to wait and practice mindfulness of the body. Um, waiting for the urgency to pass. You know, when you really, really want to say something, just wait for the urgency to pass and then see if it's still worth saying. So I notice a place that I really, really want to say something fast is humor. I want to get in there with a quip. And it is so interesting to notice the ways we use exaggeration or speak sarcastically or ironically or even stereotype groups of people with whom we don't agree in order to be funny. Um, our humor may be driven by an aversive emotion or a desire for approval, like if somebody laughs when we tell a joke, you know, we feel good. But I'll, I'll share with you that over the years, I've had the painful uh, place in my family of being the mediator between two siblings who have these eruptions of mistrust and uh, pain. And where it was rooted was decades ago, one of them made a kind of mean stereotyping joke about the other one's spouse. And I feel like that has created all kinds of harm. It may have been funny to the person saying it, but it wasn't funny on the other end. 
The other thing I'll say about exaggeration is it's an interesting way that we increase our own stress. So notice the difference be in yourself between I have a million things to do this weekend. I actually said that I have too much to do this weekend. I'll never get it all done. And then I recognized that it would have been a little more compassionate or kinder and less exaggerated and more true to say, you know, I have five things to do and I'm not entirely sure it's realistic to try and get all those done. So this is just kind of a taste of truthfulness in speech and timeliness in speech. And there's a lot of exploration to do here. So um, with that, I'm guessing everybody could use a 15-minute break. <laughs> so let's take a break.